Well, the Bible says it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. I'm not sure you heard me. The Bible says it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. That's it. That's it. Can you believe that it's Thanksgiving week already? How did that creep up on us? And yet, I bet you're looking forward to the smells and sounds and tastes of Thanksgiving. I think I've mentioned this in, pa in the past, but year after year, the smell of pumpkin pie is the number one male aphrodisiac. <laughs> Seriously. So girls, if you have a man and you want lots of kisses, uh, make lots of pumpkin pies, if you don't want him coming around you, don't do it. Don't do it. And how about that sleepy, euphoric, uh, tryptophan car buzz after the meal? Isn't that great? I mean, I think that might be the only OSHA-approved and God-approved altered state that we can enjoy as Christians. Feasting is in the Bible, right? It's okay. Uh, it's different than gluttony. So, have at it. I uh, had my bubble burst a bit, though, about the turkey tryptophan myth by a Dr. Kolb. He said the theory goes that turkey contains high levels of tryptophan, which is a key ingredient in serotonin and melatonin and it boosts serotonin to make you happy and releases melatonin to make you feel sleepy. But he says turkey is not that high in tryptophan. In fact, uh, it's pretty much like every other meal you eat. All meats contain tryptophan. I, I'm not sure this is information you wanted to know, but you're going to get it. <laughs> turkey has only marginally more tryptophan than chicken and not as much as pork chops. In fact, some vegetables even have more tryptophan than turkey. Heck, he, he, this author writes, soybeans have twice the tryptophan as turkey. You'd be better off reaching for a slice of tofurkey, he says. <laughs> he says there's a lot of other reasons for that sleepy buzz you get after the Thanksgiving meal, he says. Perhaps you didn't get much sleep the night before when you took the red eye to Iowa City to be with your family. Or perhaps you might also be mistaking the feeling of lethargy for sleepiness. Do you really want to go to sleep or do you just want to lie on the couch and feel fat and watch TV? It's not surprising that you feel lethar lethargic after you spent the entire day watching football and then just stuffed yourself full of several pounds of food and alcohol. Or maybe you feel tired because you spent the entire day slaving away at a huge wonderful dinner while all the other jerks in your family sat around and watched football. <laughs> he ends by saying, I hope this post armed you with some new knowledge about how the brain works. Thanksgiving, however, is not a time to use your newfound knowledge to berate others and make them feel dumb. You do that before or after the meal. <laughs> Thanksgiving is a time for gathering together and expressing gratitude. So take a moment to focus on what you're thankful for. That's much more likely to make you feel happy and help you sleep well at night. So just a little uh, information about the tryptophan myth. But uh, my text this morning is from 1 Thessalonians 5, um, 16 through 18. This is a, a wonderful verse. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. If you could live any three verses in the Bible... Uh, it might be these. Amen? I mean, imagine yourself living this consistently uh, throughout your life. What an infectious, positive, God-honoring person you would be. 
And uh, that's a bit of what we're going to explore today. You might remember that there are four places in the New Testament where the scriptures actually say the sentence or something very close to it, for this is the will of God for you. And this is one of the four, and it's dealing with continually giving thanks to God. This, uh, this giving thanks here, or give thanks, and everything give thanks, that phrase, give thanks, is in the, uh, is in the present active imperative uh, tense voice and mood in the Greek language. So in the present tense, it's saying, in effect, do it now. Do it now. Do it right now in the present. The voice is, is describing whether it's you, it's you yourself doing the action or if you're observing someone else doing the action. So... When I took Greek, I was taught that in the present voice, picture yourself on a stage, and you are the lead actor. And so this verse being in the present, or this verb being in the present voice, is saying you are center stage. You are the one to do the acting. And then the imperative mood is a command. That means it's, it's not an option. It's not something nice to do. It's a command from the Lord. Um, don't fail to do it, God is saying. And then in Ephesians 5.20, which is a very similar verse about thanksgiving, we read always giving thanks, which giving there is an adverb, and it's emphasizing the degree to which we're to do it. So you easily catch on that this is an emphasis of scripture. G.K. Chesterton, who I think is wonderful, he wrote this. He said, the greatest lesson I have learned is to take things with gratitude and not take them for granted. He also wrote, you give thanks before meals. That's okay. But I give thanks before the concert and the opera and give thanks before the play and the pantomime. And I give thanks when I open a book and thanks before sketching, painting, swimming, walking, playing. And I give thanks before I dip the pen in the ink. When we read in the Psalms verses of thanksgiving, I really think that our hearts are elevated very, very quickly. Let me read some to you. Again, we thank God because he is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. How many of you know his steadfast love endures forever? We thank him because he has done great wonders. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and his wonders to the sons of men. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. We thank him for his loving kindness and his faithfulness. It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, to declare thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness at night. I was telling Bill that as I read through the, the scriptures on thanksgiving in the Psalms, there was a, a subtle theme of of exhorting to uh, this exhortation to meditate and thank God for his mercy and his love, everlasting love in the morning, and then in the evening, before you go to bed, to thank him for his faithfulness. And so I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on that. I'm going to work on reminding myself every morning and giving thanks to God that his mercies are new every morning. And then in the evening... Great is his faithfulness. We're exhorted to give thanks in the great assembly. David said, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among a mighty throng. We praise him because his love endures forever. Psalm 136 will say a line, a first line, and then the second line is for his loving kindness is everlasting or his Love endures forever in some versions. We're driven in our affections to 
thank God with all of our hearts. Psalm 111.1 says, Praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. And then in Psalm 79.13, one last one for now. We will give thanks forever. It says, We are the people, we are thy people and the sheep of thy pasture. We will give thanks to you forever. To all generations we will tell of thy praise. One generation shall praise thee to another. John and Megan, as leaders of BASIC, have that wonderful privilege of telling of God's works from one generation to another. We as parents have that same opportunity. I believe God's message to us this morning is move forward from thanks having to thanksgiving and from thanksgiving to thanks living. Let me say that again. Move forward from merely having thanks or thanks having to thanksgiving and then from thanksgiving to thanks living. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and now knowing the mood and tense and voice of the language, you there, the one on center stage, beginning now, I command you to always give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So let's look at five keys to a lifestyle of thanksgiving, which we're calling Thanks living. This is defined by as continual, effervescent thanksgiving to God, regardless of our circumstances. Amen? Amen. A lifestyle of thanksgiving that is out in the open, infectious, and brings great glory to God. Let's look at the first of these keys. You see over on the right-hand side, key number one, thanks living, boldly gives thanks to God out in the open. It cannot and will not be contained just in the heart. I think we have this notion that if we have a grateful heart, if our heart is filled with thankfulness, that God knows that and he hears that, and I think that's all true. But I don't want us to be content with that. Thanks having, in my view, is having a heart full uh, of thankfulness, and this is good. Um, it's akin to a sense of gratitude, or and, and truly is thankfulness. But thanksgiving is the is a heart that is full of thanksgiving. And it speaks it out. It speaks it aloud and gives thanks to God in front of others as well as in its prayers to God. Webster's uh, defines thanksgiving as the act of giving thanks, a public acknowledgement or celebration of divine goodness. Um, I'd like to say technically, I suppose when we offer a silent prayer to God of thanksgiving, we are indeed entering into thanksgiving. But by far the greatest weight of the connotation of thanksgiving is that it's public, that it's out in the open. I'm not making this up. Uh, that is thanksgiving as opposed to thanks-having or thanks-holding. The Apostle Paul publicly gave thanks on a ship in the middle of a two-week storm when they were sailing from Crete, the island of Crete. Hopefully their, their long-range goal was to make it to Rome, and, uh, but they were in a storm, uh, actually a nor'easter, a northeaster. And uh, the crew had, was in desperate straits. They had, you remember the story? They had thrown all the tackle out of the, the ship. They were dragging their anchors. Um, 
They, they had cut, some of the men had tried to escape through the lifeboat and Paul had warned them not to or there would be loss of life, so they cut away the lifeboat. Um, there were 276 people, uh, including Paul. 275 of them were hardened sailors and Roman soldiers. And uh, Paul, uh, he, you know, an angel visited Paul and said, everybody's going to live. Um, uh, and so Paul went up on, on deck and he announced to the whole ship in the middle of the rain and storm that uh, an angel had come to him. But first he said, you remember I told you that we shouldn't do this. He was that guy, you know. He, he wasn't afraid to say, I told you so. And then uh, down in, uh, let's see, what verse is it? It's uh, verse 35. He says, And having said this, he took bread and what? Gave thanks to God in the presence of all, and he broke it and began to eat. These men had not eaten for two weeks. They thought they were going to die. And uh, Paul prays a prayer of thanks to these unbelieving hardened uh, sailors. And uh, I wonder if he messed with them a little bit in his prayer. I wonder if he started out, Oh Lord, you know I told these men not to do this. Uh, but they didn't listen to me. And so on. Maybe he drew the prayer out really long because he knew they were starving. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Paul was that way. But um, I admire his, just his devotion to the Lord in this situation. David prayed, I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness. I will not restrain my lips, O Lord. I love that militant, uh, militant sense. I will not restrain my lips. I would like you to ask yourselves, I would like us to ask ourselves, are we, am I a thanks holder, a thanks haver, if you will, or am I a thanks giver? Do I, how much do I express the thanks that's in my heart out in the open before people uh, about the Lord? If you are mostly a thanks holder, I would ask you to no longer be content with that. There's a saying that love that is not expressed isn't love. Most of us have heard that. I think we could apply that to thankfulness. Thankfulness that is not expressed is not thanksgiving. It's thanks holding. Uh, and so we want to move forward in this. Point number two, thanksgiving doesn't wax or wane depending on circumstances. Have you ever considered that the more God blesses you, the greater a risk he takes? Sounds odd, doesn't it? But I want to show you from the scriptures uh, several warnings that God gives his people about his blessings, and when he does pour out his blessings. Let's look at the first couple, uh, three of them actually, from Deuteronomy. The first is Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12. And here he is uh, admonishing Israel not to forget about him when he, because of their blessings. He says, Then it shall come about, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you shall eat and be satisfied, then watch yourself. I could preach a whole sermon on those two words. Watch yourself. 
lest you forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. How many of you have noticed this pattern in your life that if you get too comfortable, if you get too, too many blessings going, you tend to get lazy in your relationship with the Lord and you're, you're just not, it, it just seems to dampen your fire and your mind starts to wander off into um, distractions, if not sin itself. And so we must always remember him and thank him for his blessings. Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 14, the second one, he warns us to not fall prey to pride. Beware lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Lest when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold multiply, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart becomes proud and you forget the Lord your God, a warning against pride. How do we break down that pride? By continuing to thank the Lord in all circumstances. The third one comes just a few verses later where uh, the temptation is, is, is uh, displayed of glorifying ourselves for all our prosperity or all our blessings rather than remembering that it's the Lord. This is verse 17 and 18 of Deuteronomy 8. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, well, let's, let me back up a verse. In the wilderness he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. Also in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 1, we read about people who forget to honor God and thank him. This is verse starting in verse 20. Through 23. Are you with me here? Yes. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. I'd like you to notice there the connection between honoring God and giving him thanks and becoming deceived. That's powerful, isn't it? That if we forget to give thanks to God and to honor him, it isn't long before we are subject to deception. Now this is, this is not addressing Christians here, but I think we still feel those fingers of idolatry always wanting to pull us away from the Lord. And then finally, Mark 4 uh, talks about the sower and the seed, and we uh, can become that seed among the thorns that is uh, uh, distracted and unfruitful. Let me read just a couple verses. Others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, and, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire, desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So I want to show you that God risks to a, in a certain way to heap upon us blessings. It's almost as if I want to say to you, can you handle it? Can you handle it? Are you spiritually strong enough for him to bless you 
and remain a person who honors him and thanks him with great fire and great zeal. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe he knows our capacity. Uh, I guess he does, he's God. And uh, maybe we're holding back some blessings from ourselves because we are not yet faithful enough to thank him in any and all circumstances. There's also an odd truth that too many blessings, while too many blessings can make us dull, uh, scarcity seems to be able to produce great thankfulness when we get that thing that we've been waiting for. Now I like showers. I like, I like shower heads that really push out the water. I like high pressure. So Laura and I will get a hotel room as we're driving somewhere and the first thing she'll report to me is, is how strong the, the water pressure is. And uh, I really don't care if the bed is soft or hard. Uh, I don't really care about much else, but I want that shower. And if, you know, I'll take a picture of it if, it, if it's a really good one. Uh, and uh, so I want to tell a story about a time there was scarcity for me in this area, and I was so glad to get back home. I went to, the first time I went to Africa with Gordon, um, we arrived at the compound where we were going to be staying and teaching, and we were both loosed to go up into this building and pick, pick a room for ourselves. Now, we were going to room separately. He was going to pick a room, and I was going to pick a room. And so he picked a room, and, and I came into this wonderful room. It had a great view, a great breeze. The bed looked pretty good. And so this is my room. I forgot to go in the bathroom, and only to discover that there was no shower head, and the drain was super big in the tub. It was a bathtub, and I, almost impossible to plug up. And uh, so I really couldn't take a bath, couldn't take a shower. And so what I had to do was try to get into a little ball, turn on the tub faucet, and get under there. <laughs> and I had to do that for about a week, you know, just, and it just hurt. And it was, you know, uh, I don't remember rejoicing in that circumstance. I'm sure I did, but I don't but I don't remember. But I was so glad to get home to my own shower, which has been scientifically, you know, measured and proven uh, to put out great amounts of water. So I was the, I was the, you know, the nymph of traveling to a third world country, and Gordon was the pro. You know, he, I, I went in, I, I think I went in, and his, his shower was... I think, luxurious. <laughs> the Apostle Paul said, I know how to abound, and I know how to be abased. I know how to live with everything and with almost nothing. I have learned the secret of living, and I put in parentheses here, is it the giving of thanks in everything? Is that his secret? Uh, very well could be. I have learned the secret of living, of being content in every, any and every circumstance. Perhaps we see this in his life best, or at least in one place, when he and Silas are in that Philippian jail and they're shackled, their legs are shackled, the scriptures say, uh, and they're at midnight thanking and praising God and what happens? A great earthquake uh, comes and miraculously the shackles fall away and they are free. Proverbs 30 verse 8, on the other hand, kind of expresses a middle, a safe place. See what you think of this. The scriptures say, give me neither poverty or riches, feed me with the food that is my portion lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. 
Thanksgiving does not wax and wane depending on circumstances. Thanksgiving continually gives thanks to God in everything. Here's the third point. Thanksgiving worships God in the midst of adversity and suffering. How many of you have gone through something very hard and when you come out the other side and into the years after that, you say, I am so grateful that I went through that thing because it's made me who I am today and I'm stronger and uh, I learned so many great lessons. How many of you would say, that you've had experiences like that. Almost all of us, if not all of us. Well, I aspire, and I am exhorting you to as well, to worship and praise and thank God in the midst of that trial. That's the kind of believer I want to be, where I thank him in the midst of it. Jim, in our prayer before the service was saying he thinks as a church we're going through a Job-like experience where so many of us are having, you know, deep, deep troubles, deep griefs. And uh, I hope that we will join together to thank God in the midst of it and that he will be pleased. Uh, you remember Job who when he heard that his house had been destroyed, his livestock, servants, sons and daughters were dead, he rent his robe and he shaved his head and he worshipped the Lord, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Uh, I may have said this a couple sermons ago, but my son Nathaniel, when we were up in Alaska recently, he said, well, Dad, if, if the Lord takes Mom, will you be bitter? And I, I said, you know, with tears streaming down my face, I said, no, I'll be excited. I know she'll be in so happy and in a better place. And I really pray that you'll help me walk that out if that ever happens or help her walk it out if, if I go first. You know that the devil came back to God a second time and said, the reason Job passed this test is because you didn't let me afflict him. You allowed me to take everything, but you didn't let me... Uh, uh, attack him. And so the Lord releases Satan to attack Job, but says, spare his life. And so he's covered with boils and he's scraping himself. And you remember how his wife encourages him to curse God and die. Uh, but he says to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Abraham Lincoln is a great example of someone who faced a lot of adversity, but he also was responsible for establishing the official annual celebration of Thanksgiving. I believe it had been going on for some time before that on a, on a people level, but I think he established it as a national holiday. But listen to his life. When he was seven years of age, his family was forced out of their home, and he, was, and he went to work. Anybody, anybody in our congregation have to work at seven years of age? I, there might be some, but probably very, very few. When he was nine, his mother died. He lost his job at a store clerk when he was 20. He wanted to go to law school, but he didn't have the education. At age 23, he went into debt to be a partner in a small store. Three years later, the business partner died and the resulting debt took many years to repay. When he was 28, after courting a girl for four years, he asked her to marry him and she turned him down. On his third try, he was elected to Congress at age 37, but then failed to be reelected. 
His son died when he was four years of age. When this man was 45, he ran for the Senate and lost. At age 47, he ran for the vice presidency and lost. But at age 51, he was elected president of the United States. This Abraham Lincoln was a man who learned to face discouragement and move beyond it. In the midst of the Civil War in 1863, he established the annual celebration of Thanksgiving. Lincoln had learned how important it is to stop and thank God in the midst of great difficulties. I'd like you to look at this quote by William Law. Uh, He says, if anyone would tell you the shortest, surest way to all happiness and perfection, he must tell you to make it a rule to yourself to thank and praise God for everything that happens to you. For it is certain that whatever seeming calamity happens to you, if you thank and praise God for it, you turn it to a blessing. If you could do miracles, you could not do better than practicing this thankful spirit, for it heals and turns all it touches into happiness. Thanks living worships God in the midst, not just after we come through, in the midst of suffering. A fourth key to thanks living is to be careful to thank people as well as God. Thank people for their kindness to us, for the things their life has taught us. Recently, I think you all have been praying for our family. Uh, Laura's mom went home to be with the Lord uh, Friday, November 1st, and two weeks later, last Saturday, we had a memorial service for her, kind of a family, uh, not kind of, it was a family event. And um, you see in the picture on the left there, you see Laura, you see her mother, Marnie, we called her. Um, You see chubby little Abby on Laura's lap. You see Hannah peeking around uh, Marnie's face. Doesn't Hannah look cute? And then there's Nathaniel in the middle. He's a little, he seems a little distraught uh, and nobody's paying attention to him. And so uh, I thought I'd show you that he's not distraught anymore. And he's making sure people pay attention to him. So. <laughs> but Marnie was a, a wonderful person. She taught us so much about courage. She taught us about beauty. And she modeled a faith that she knew. She's smart. She was a games person. She could kill us at any game. We have a picture of Jason and Hannah with their heads together trying to outsmart Marnie at a Scrabble game. And uh, that says it all, that picture. But Marnie, one of the things I emphasized at her memorial service was she was smart enough to know that she could not approach God in her own righteousness. But she needed the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so somewhere way back, she had surrendered to him. And uh, we are so grateful that she did. But the Lord was so good to us in this whole situation. Laura and I were up at our cabin uh, on the Canada-Minnesota border, and she had fallen three times, four times, broken a couple bones, and so we were racing back to be, Hannah was watching over her and Esther, and we were racing back, and we got a call that she had stopped breathing, Um, but she, 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 she came back, and we were able to be there, and then Laura's brother Jeff, who there had been tension in their relationship, he came to see her and set things right, took responsibility. Um, she wanted to die at home in her apartment, and um, God blessed us with that opportunity. She rallied on a Thursday, I think it was, or a Wednesday, and we, the doctor said, take her home now. Her, her, her internal organs have shut down. She can't eat food. She can't drink water. So um, I had thought that a person couldn't survive more than three days without water, but 
the doctor said, no, you can go quite a while. And Marnie went nine days without food or water. She never complained. She was alert. She was happy. They told us the last two days she will become non-responsive as her lungs can't expel uh, CO2 because of the ALS disease that she had. Um, and Laura and I were granted another great gift where we were with her when she took her last breaths. And um, God just was so good to us. And you guys, we want to thank you for, for praying and for sending cards and for being our family, our supportive family. But one, uh, back to the theme of thanks, one thing that I think Laura was really worried about, one point of grief in her heart was um, she grew up in New York where when a person died there was a wake and then family, family came and settled on your house for like three days of telling stories and partying and raiding your refrigerator and um, just hanging out together and in some cases getting drunk and not that Laura was looking forward to that or <laughs> wanted that for many of her family members, but this is what she grew up with. And, and here in the Midwest, um, you know, it's often the case that when someone dies, we, there's no wake. We go to the funeral or the memorial service, which is about an hour. We're at a reception for about a half hour or more. But, but then the people are looking at their watches and thinking, how can I escape? How can I go back to my life? And Laura was worried a couple days after Marnie passed that Marnie wasn't going to be remembered appropriately. So at the memorial service, um, we had an open mic. And um, our 14 grandkids, they just stepped up. You know, sometimes when you have an open mic, nobody says anything, or very few. And it feels very strained and very forced. Well, not in this case. I mean, this was uh, Toby shared, Kemper shared, Reese, everybody, all the, if, maybe all of them shared. And I felt like this is going to heal that point of grief in Laura's heart because uh, she wasn't, her mother wasn't going to be forgotten. I had a conversation with Marnie where I said, uh, Marnie, how are you doing emotionally? Are you, are you at peace? Are you scared? And this is what she said, no, I'm not scared. You know, like, uh, I'm excited and I don't understand what is taking so long. Uh, you know, and her courage and her faith were just amazing. She loved birds and she especially loved cardinals, so we as a family decided that when we see cardinals in the future, we're going to think of Marnie's qualities, how she trusted Christ, how she uh, loved uh, nature and beauty, and how she uh, was fearless because of her faith. Um, part of her legacy also was to say thank you. Chris Staub has become a hero of ours. Uh, she cared for Marnie through the night and many hours, many, many days, months and months, if not a year. And um, secretly, I kept hoping Marnie would die with Chris, you know, so that we didn't have to go through that. But, but that's, it happened the way it was supposed to happen. But, but uh, in those last two unresponsive days, in the middle of the night, Chris was with her, and she cleaned her up in bed. Marnie couldn't move, of course. And Marnie came out of that unresponsive place, and her last words were to Chris, thank you. And so we're going to remember that legacy as well, that she was grateful and thankful. Stories told of an old school teacher. Uh, there was a couple of pastors. It was the early 1930s during the Depression, and one of the pastors was saying to his friend, 
in two or three weeks I have to preach on Thanksgiving Day, what can I possibly say? So many people are suffering, the rich are committing suicide, the joblessness. And uh, this pastor who asked the question immediately received an answer from the Holy Spirit, not the other pastor, but immediately to his own heart. And uh, the Lord said, why don't you thank those people who've been a blessing in your life and affirm them during this terrible time? He thought of an English teacher who had instilled in him a love of literature and verse affecting all his writing and preaching. So he wrote to her. In her matter of days, he got a reply in the feeble scrawl of of the aged. She said, my dear Willie, his name was William, I can't tell you how much your note meant to me. I am in my 80s, living alone in a small room, cooking my own meals, lonely, and like the last leaf of autumn, lingering behind. You'll be interested to know that I taught in school for more than 50 years, and yours is the first note of appreciation I ever received. It came on a blue, cold morning, and it cheered me as nothing has done in many years. It's so important that we express thanks to each other. Um, Husbands can thank their wives for being godly and for caring for the children so well and caring for them. Wives can thank husbands for their leadership and working so hard and various other things, taking care of the family. We can thank our children for their aspirations to be good and to be godly and to do the best they can. And children can certainly thank parents for the example and their hard work in their behalf. I want to thank Chris and Linda and Bill and um, who else, honey? Uh, Jody and uh, several others, Hannah, Esther, and Marty's nurses were fantastic um, as well. So I want to thank you all for your prayers, your love. I teased Bill at the memorial service that if any of you need a video done for free, um, just go to Bill. And he feels this obligation if we're family to do it for us. So um, anyway, it's supposed to be funny, Bill. Probably not to you, but anyway. Grateful for you, brother. Um, Let's see, where am I? The last key is that thanks living understands that thanks living is the atmosphere of heaven. And when we walk in it here on earth, we enter that dynamic, supernaturally charged atmosphere. Let me read to you just a couple of verses from from Revelation chapter 5. Starting in verse 11. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard them saying to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Is it possible that if we are effusive in our thanks to the Lord that we enter some kind of spiritual booster, some kind of a stream of praise? Is it a case where we're fulfilling the part of the Lord's Prayer where he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we start living like we're in heaven on earth in this area, we, we invite that uh, supernatural dynamic 
Jonah in chapter 2. We're going to end soon. I hope you're not tired. Uh, You know, he was in the belly of the whale, and he had been in rebellion running from God and from his mission. But in chapter 2, he starts to repent in the belly of the whale. He says, I descended to the roots of the mountains, in verse 6. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to thee into thy holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to thee with a voice of thanksgiving. And that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. When he prayed that prayer of thanksgiving from the most unimaginable place in the universe, perhaps, what happened? The Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry ground. I think in some cases, walking in thanks, living on the earth, even seems to unleash the power of God. Thankfulness and thanksgiving crowd out sin and narcissism, self-pity and entitlement, and stepping into a lifestyle like this allows the activity of heaven to be experienced here on earth, just as Jesus prayed. We're at the end. I want to say, may we move from thanksholding to thanksgiving, and then from thanksgiving to thanks living. Let's enter that dynamic atmosphere of heaven and in this way bring God's kingdom to the earth, not just for this Thanksgiving season, but for the rest of our lives. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks always, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to pray a brief prayer. Would you bow with me? Father, we pray that we might receive this command from you. That we might see ourselves on center stage, the spotlight on us, and you saying, do it now. I command you in the now to be effusive in your thanks and praise. We thank you for how thanksgiving protects us from forgetting about you, from getting proud, from uh, becoming deceived in our thoughts. Lord, we honor you and we give you thanks. We pray we would move from whatever state we're in, thanks holding, thanksgiving. We pray we would move into a lifestyle of thanks living. And that as we do so, the miraculous atmosphere of heaven would begin to be normal in our lives and a new pervasive joy would fill us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. May those around us be attracted and infected by your joy and surrender to you and you receive greater and greater glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.